0: Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.
1: On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere.
0: What a
2: wonderful day!
1: This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time.
2: time. It's my village. I know where they're taking your clan.
1: Bend for your king. Never. Ooh. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG 13. Some material
0: may be inappropriate for children under 13.
2: Hello, and welcome to pop culture history lesson on The Ringer Dish Feed. My name is Amelia Wedemeyer, and today I am joined by, I think, fellow Grease lover, (laughs) Claire McNair, or at least watcher.
1: (laughs) Yes, I would say both both a lover and a watcher. Um, I'm delighted to be talking about this today, though, obviously, for sad reasons. So sad. Olivia Newton-John passed away
2: the other day, and we just kind of wanted to give her tribute because she definitely deserves one. She was Fantastic in this movie and in many other movies and, you know, uh, albums and whatnot. And just, you know, also anytime anyone wants to talk about Greece, I'm always available. So but yes, yeah, so this is a tribute to Olivia Newton-John and to her just honestly, truly iconic role of Sandy.
1: Absolutely, I was reading an interview. I mean, it's hard to. We'll talk some more about her her songs, I'm sure, in just yeah. a bit. In, in Greece, but it is hard to overstate the the jaw drop of when she sort of breaks bad at the end of Greece and oh. ditches the ponytail and poodle skirt for all black leather and yes, um, you know, finally finally stoops to meet John Travolta's Danny on his level and yes, proceeds to knock him flat on his ass. Um, so yeah, she's just, incredible, and she was an absolute dynamo. So yeah. yes,
2: oh, so good, and um. I just I, like that iconic image of her being like the good girl in like, you know, 1950s. And then it's like the bad Sandy. It's just like it's
1: <laughs> seared in I, my brain forever. Absolutely. I found an interview where she was talking about filming that in like terrible Los Angeles heat. And the the quote she had about that day was, They sewed me into those pants every morning for a week. Believe me, I had to be very careful about what I ate and drank. It was excruciating. So she She, suffered for her art. She
2: suffered for her art. She did that for us. Thank you, Olivia Newton John, truly. Um, Because she looked phenomenal and those pants look great. Uh, So, yeah. Do you have any early memories of Greece or like? A special relationship to the movie.
1: Amelia, <laughs> I let me tell you, I I did not grow up in a musical family. I don't know if you are watching the current season of What We Do in the Shadows, but I would say no. that the Laszlo's very negative impressions of musical theater <laughs> were, were sort of the defining um, characteristic of, of my family's approach to uh. musicals, but... Well, I can't remember the first time I saw Greece. I can remember every single word to every single song Hell yeah. in Hell the movie yeah. Grease. Um, it just became such such a part of my childhood. Who knows mm-hmm. how? But, you know, the number of times I've tried and failed to copy Olivia Newton-John's last little vocal pirouette in Hopelessly Devoted to You is somewhere in the hundreds, perhaps thousands. I will not subject you to that now, but
3: um, it's a classic. <laughs> well, it-
2: any other time you want to, just let me know. Um, <laughs> yes, I agree. I don't really remember. It was just like one day it appeared like on a VHS tape. And I it was the 20th anniversary tape. So like this, I think that was 1998. And my sister and I would just watch it and watch it and watch it and watch it. And just, we loved, like, I know all the lyrics still, like you, and just, we would reenact scenes, you know, two people oh, yeah. reacting scenes with like multiple, multiple actors. But anyway, it was just, I was obsessed. And I told you this story on Slack and it's a pretty embarrassing story, but um, we have like we a guest book each summer that like my cousins sign and whatever. And there's one in the late nineties where she, my cousin had a bunch of quotes from everyone. Like that was their summer quote. And mine was go grease lightning.
1: I, I mean, that's so accurate. <laughs> You You could not have done better. So it Thank sounds you. like that was a really good summer. And I hope one day it was that great. can be a d- the defining <laughs> theme of summer once again. Yes, exactly.
2: Um, okay, let's talk a little bit about the cultural impact of Greece. Because let me tell you, uh, it, the, people are still doing the shows at high schools. Obviously, we still have people. Like, Bad Sandy is such an incredible Halloween <laughs> costume that it's just like, <laughs> duh. But anyway... The budget for the film was only $6 million, which I don't know how much that was back in 1978, but I guess it's probably a little more. But anyway, the director, Randall Kaiser, has said that he never imagined it would take off, much less endure for decades to come, which, yeah, it has. So congratulations. Good job. Um, (laughs) I think it somewhere I read that it just, like showing in theaters, The movie has made nearly four hundred million dollars at the box office. That's wild. That's wild. I mean,
1: it it was such an immediate success and such a massive success that it really kind of blew away. I mean, everybody from the directors you just said to the stars to the studio, um, yeah. And for it to have you know made that much money with what what was certainly you know a a more significant budget than six million dollars would be today, but still very small is is just stunning.
2: Totally, it it is, and. and and that's just, I think, box office tickets alone, because think of all the merchandise, the music, and we'll get to the soundtrack later. But, you know, it's just it is this is like a billion dollar franchise, honestly. But let's talk a little bit about its two lead stars, because, man, I love them both. Um, OK, Danny Zuko, played by one of my favorites, Adele dazim John Travolta, This was, uh, well, actually, his breakout role was in Vinny, it was as Vinny in Welcome Back, Cotter. And I guess he was popular with people there. And now he like moved over to the movies. So he had like a three picture deal with one of the producers of Grease, Robert Stigwood. And he made Boy in the Bubble, which was an ABC um, Saturday night movie that they played on network TV. And then the other was Saturday Night Fever, which was obviously a huge hit. People still talk about it to this day. And with Grease and Saturday Night Fever, he is just catapulted into stardom. I what, what a wild,
1: wild streak for, for him to just have those essentially back-to-back, right? Backed, it's, it's Literally just, back-to-back. Suddenly he's the defining movie star.
2: Yeah. it's. I'm trying to imagine if this was... This really... I don't know if it has happened to anyone. Else. I mean, I'm sure there are other examples, but even... You know, like, I I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, like, Zac Efron had a moment with a high school musical, I remember. But, like, he didn't transition into, like, these big box office classics, like, Mm -hmm. as seamlessly or really, you know, at all. No, I love him. But, like, John Travolta, which is just, it just, it's, it's amazing.
1: I, I mean, I, I I love that quote that um, you have from. Uh, from Marty Yeah, sure. A and
2: this is um, from actually there's a really good piece in Vanity Fair from Vanity Fair called How Grease Beat the Odds and Became the Biggest M- Movie Musical of the 20th Century. Uh, I highly recommend it. There's a lot of good uh, behind the scenes stuff. But anyway, Dinah Manoff, who played Marty Maraschino in the movie, said about John Travolta, there was an energy surrounding him unlike anything I had ever experienced. It wasn't even lusting. It was being in the presence of something epic. I had never been around charisma that was at its peak that way. I cannot describe it to you. There is no other movie star I have been around who carried around the same energy he did in those days, which is just like, what? What a great quote to have.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it's it is funny to hear his co-stars talk about sort of being awestruck by him because obviously yeah. I mean he was cast as the star. He was a star when he was put into this lead role, but this dynamic of the other people on the sets being sort of impressed by him. Right. I, I think adds a lot to the character of Danny in the movie.
2: Yeah, totally. It's all like legend building and, uh, it's, and you can even tell, like, I was, I was like, I guess I should rewatch this for research. Um, but I, just like the beginning shot of him at the school and he turns around, and it's just like, that guy's a movie star. You know, it's just <laughs> some people have that He's magnetic, got it. yes, what, charisma or whatever it is, but he has a presence in this movie and it's just like, it's amazing. And then Sandy, played by Olivia Newton John. Um, I love that John Travolta, he specifically wanted her for the role of Sandy. And I I found it interesting, too, after reading this Vanity Fair article that he controlled a lot of things about this film. It's kind of... They were like, whatever John Travolta wants, John Travolta gets, which is like kind of wild if he was only kind of famous for doing um, Welcome Back, Cotter. And I guess... I don't even know if Saturday Night Fever was even out yet, but they gave him so much power. And so he kind of was like, okay, I want this. I want this person. And he also took one of the key songs from Kaniki, Grease Lightning, and made it his own, which I thought was a little rude.
1: It's but. brutal. Brutal. It um, really but, is. But I mean, once you hear Grease Lightning, I mean, how, how could you not want that for yourself? It's true. It's true. But anyway, she was 29
2: when she won the role. And that's another thing I found interesting. Um, and, and it's like such an old, you know, Hollywood movie TV trope to cast like years older than actual teenagers, sometimes decades. So anyway, yeah. So she was 29 when she won won the role. And I also found it interesting after reading uh, a bunch of articles about this that Olivia Newton-John kind of used the transition from good Sandy to bad Sandy as a way to transform her music career image. Because I guess before mm. she was kind of just doing sweet like almost, like, country music pop songs. And now she, like, wanted to transition into, like, more, like, rock and, like, I don't—whatever physical that song. um, Oh, yeah. That genre. That's a fun one. You know, just, like, kind of a sexier image or whatever.
1: I I think there's this fascinating dynamic of Greece where Travolta at the time wasn't really known for singing and and Olivia Newton-John wasn't really known for acting. And so you have these two people who are carrying a movie as actors and singers who both— we're, you know, much more experienced at one um, than the other. But I think what's right. what's interesting is is Olivia Newton-John talked a lot about um, how she sort of felt like a fish out of water on the set. She wasn't sure, sure. If she was the right person for the role. You know, she was kind of awestruck by John Travolta in some ways. Right. Um, and I think that that adds so much because that is such a parallel to the character of Sandy, right? Sandy yeah. is the new girl at school who doesn't so really fit in with the pink ladies, all these cool girls who are kind of mean to her, right. who, you know, is trying to figure out if she's yeah. good enough for for her boyfriend. Right. Um, I think that in a way, she was such a, a, a genius choice for this role because really they totally. were kind of doing the same thing at the same time.
2: That is a great, that's a great point. And I, yeah, and I think John, I mean, not to continue to give John... Revolt all the credit. But I think he really did see something in her and probably, you know, felt the same way. Like, oh, you know, she is this fish out of water. She's perfect for the role and she's beautiful and uh, she can sing. That's always important. Um, and I also found it interesting that she so she is Australian and they wanted her to do an American accent, but she couldn't do it. So they were like, okay, then just be Australian. Oh,
1: no. But I, I remember kind of- being mystified as a kid oh, by like, by her I, accent I don't think t- I'd ever met an Australian before. <laughs> like, what? why is she saying the words wrong? Like, it just That's it really completely, funny. completely puzzled me.
2: <laughs> yeah, that is really um, funny and interesting. And I, I think it's also like, just like iconic that they changed the whole character's background just to fit. Your accent. That's great. That's awesome. Good for you, Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it's interesting. Also, I was asking my parents about this because, um, you know, obviously I was not alive when Grease came out, but they were. And uh, they talked about how it's just funny because Olivia Newton-John was seen as like kind of this goody-goody, like you were saying, and then people really started to notice her after Not that they didn't before, but like really as like a sex symbol and stuff. So I found that really interesting that, you know, just these people overnight became huge stars.
0: This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem.
2: Because it became the second best-selling album, uh, the Grease soundtrack, of 1978 in the U.S., second only, and this is interesting, to Saturday Night Fever, which also starred John Travolta, like, like Man, you said before. Man,
1: Travolta, just, just I killing mean, it over there. It's amazing.
2: Yeah. I, I you know, I love him. Anyway, um, so Grease, the opening Grease song by, I think, Frankie Valley went to number one on the charts. You're the One That I Want, which is my personal favorite, went to number one on the charts. Summer Nights was big, too. I think that hit, like, number five. And then Hopelessly Devoted to You, which is the Olivia Newton-John solo number, was Oscar-nominated.
1: Wild. You know what I, I I was reading a little bit about the history of um of the movie, and the play Grease was originally performed back in, in 1971, and the movie mm. made a lot of changes, including sort of disassociating it from um Chicago, which is where the the play was originally oh. set. There were a lot of, I guess, Chicago tie-ins, and there was oh, a, sort of like a Polish American plot that obviously is completely uh, absent from the movie. But one of the other changes that they made was they wrote a bunch of new songs. And one of them was you're the one that I want, which I feel like is sort of the iconic. I was going to say, wow. Oh my God. I didn't know that.
2: Well, I'm glad they added that one because damn, uh, (laughs) that is the best song in my opinion. Uh, That's so funny. Wow. Okay. Um, Do you have a favorite song?
1: Oh man, I—I I mean, you're the one that I want is—is is hard to top. I—I I so will good. say that I have had hopelessly devoted to you stuck in my head since I read the news about Olivia <laughs> John's yeah. passing. I mean, I just over and over and over. Yeah. Um, so I—I I think that that's probably a favorite for me.
2: Sure, that one's a fun one to sing, like when you're alone. Um, <laughs> yes, you know. I think I think
1: alone <laughs> is the the key the right. key requirement there.
2: Yeah, because that you have to have a set of pipes to do that one correctly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which you know. Olivia Newton-John had, for sure. And I also, I find it, and I was, you know, again, reading a lot of stuff about this, but people were talking about how in like a lot of musicals, you know, there are so many numbers and it's kind of used in place of dialogue, like the music and whatever. But this movie, and I don't know if it's different or the same thing for the musical, but it seemed like there was more just like it's a movie and then there are a lot of fun songs with it. Like it wasn't necessarily like used for dialogue or anything. I think, you know, there are some parts where they're talking about how she's a goody two shoes and, you know, Sandra D and all that. And like, you know, they're talking about the car and grease lightning and obviously everything is tied, but it's like, it's not like there are these songs that are just essential to the plot, you know, or the scene at at hand, which I, which I kind of like, you know, I can, I don't have to totally devote all my mental alertness to one thing. So yeah. So I really love the songs. God, they are really good. And also I found it interesting. Another, uh, part of the cultural impact is that this kind of contributed to the random well i guess not random but uh the 50s revival of the 70s um the 70s loved the 50s it's really funny they they were kind of everywhere like uh happy days and laverne and shirley <laughs> were both really big shows in the 70s the oldies station began in the early 70s Wild. i know right and what really? i like Yes. Yeah. It was like one of those cool 108. I think in Phoenix, it started in the early 70s because people were like,
1: we want the 50s back. Wow. I, I feel like I it's know. like this cyclical thing of uh, 50s yes. nostalgia to some degree. Like I remember going as like a brownie in Girl Scouts <laughs> to like a sock hop, That's um, so, which yes. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was actually Greece inspired. Who knows? It, but, it could um, have been. That's yeah, so I feel funny. Like this comes in waves, But I mean, what's it interesting does. is, of course, the 50s as they are presented in Greece, it's right. a very heavily idealized vision of the 1950s where it is all totally. soft hops and milkshakes and not any of a lot of the less pleasant things that were occurring in this country in the in the 1950s. But you just exactly. kind of see this one teeny tiny idealized corner of the world.
2: Right, you're like, oh, I can relate to that, great. I know, it's, it's funny because it's like, I feel, I mean, I'm always nostalgic for things. I think nostalgia is a, a huge pull for a lot of people and you just- you're like, wasn't it great back then? And then you're just like, you'll all the bad stuff goes <laughs> over your head. But um, it, it was interesting because I was again, I, I asked my my dad for some um, tips about uh, you know Greece and the 70s and whatnot, and he was just saying that. I, I mean, obviously, like you were saying, there are a lot of ba- bad things and uh, that happened in the 50s. But you know, the Vietnam War was going on. There were a bunch of assassinations in the 60s, and he was just saying that you know people kind of wanted just lighter fare of, you know, sock hops and doo-wops and singing. And, uh, so I think this movie definitely capitalized on that. And, um, yeah. And again, it's part of the baby boom generation they're a huge generation. So it makes sense. I also found it interesting when I was researching this uh, that many members of the Rydell High faculty were actually stars in like the 50s and 40s and 30s. like we had Joan Blondell, she played the Viv lady, Eve Arden played the principal, Sid Caesar played um, the coach and they were all big back in the day. So I thought that was star- that's a casting. great sort of
1: sort of wink. To yeah. to the '70s audience that would have known people from from those roles, having I, I suppose watched them themselves. But I mean, right. I think we'll talk about more modern uh, interpretations of Greece in, in a little bit. But um, what's funny for me is when I was watching Greece, I didn't get any of that. I mean, none of that that totally went over my oh, head. I, same. I was the lyrics to uh, to the Sandra D song, right? Named, no. Name drops a whole bunch of celebrities. Right. I absolutely like, Did I know who Rock Hudson was? No, I did no. not. <laughs> no. And that's
2: okay. Yeah, no, totally. I, that is really funny. I know, like, Troy Donahue. I'm like, who the hell is oh, yeah. Troy Donahue? What are you We'll Donahue never on? know. We'll never know. I, I refuse to Google. Yeah. Um, and then again, it just continued the trend of the summer blockbuster. I think I said earlier, it grossed uh, nearly th- $4 million to date on a $6 million budget. And that is crazy. Uh, and, you know, in the 70s, I feel like there were a lot of summer blockbusters. Like, it started with Jaws. And I don't even know if there is such thing as a summer blockbuster anymore, you know. But I mean, I guess that's it. Sorry though, yeah, if just a huge can of worms. Um, no,
1: no, I, yeah, I feel like the big picture is going to just break into this <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> the rebuttal. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's I, I do think that that was really the dawn of of that era, um, mm-hmm. and you know, whether or not that, that era has continued to the present day, I mean, the I think we at least grew up with the idea of like these smash hit fun, not so difficult, um, summer yeah. movies that would just kind so of true. So saturate the cultural landscape.
2: <laughs> and we loved it. And I need more because I also liked, uh, mama Mia and Mamma Mia too. Anyway. <laughs> um, so also, okay. Let's talk a little bit about the enduring legacy of Greece. I know you have a fun story.
1: Yeah, well I, I mean, to some degree, Greece never went away after nineteen seventy-eight. I mean, never. Olivia Newton John had this great story about going to a Greece screening um many years after the movie had first um come out with the with Kleiser the who was the director and Didi Kahn who played Frenchie. Um I love and, Didi Kahn. Yeah, absolutely. She's such a, such a part of what makes that movie great. But so the three of them watch this and they're shocked to discover that everybody in the audience is wearing costumes. They are dressed up like 50s characters. They are singing along to all the songs. They are acting things out. I mean, I think she compared it to Rocky Horror Picture Show, which kind of infamously has midnight screenings where people know to throw a prop at this specific line or whatever it is. Um, And, you know, they talked about, like, they were recognized by fans, and they posed for a bunch of pictures, and it really contributed to this sort of lightbulb moment for Kleiser where he realized that there was still this really avid fandom around Greece. you know, years and years after this movie that he really didn't think was going to be a big deal, much less sort of a lasting relic. Oh. Uh, you know, it's it, it was really this... this Fascinating moment for him that contributed to him um, convincing the studio to to keep pushing the movie.
2: I love that. We (laughs) that is so interesting because not to bring up our Slack again, but you post a really great question in Slack the other day. You were like, why was Greece so popular in the late 90s?
1: I, so, I had all it's these memories question. of this happening, yeah. And, yes. and after the news broke this that Olivia Newton-John had died, I asked this, I was like, was everybody obsessed with Greece in the late 90s or was yes. there just something very strange happening at my school? Because it, it wasn't <laughs> like we did the musical. There was no school performance that mm-hmm. got everybody into it. It was like, it just appeared. And then suddenly, <laughs> you know, everybody was going as the pink ladies for Halloween or the T-Birds <laughs> or Bad Sandy. Um, yes. And, And there was a ton of response in Ringer Slack where everybody said that they too remembered this kind of cultural moment in the 90s of just like Grease obsession. Obsession. um, So I started doing a little digging into why that had happened. And it turns out that um, 1998 was the 20-year anniversary of the movie. And Kleiser, after going to this screening with um, Sandy and Frenchie, uh, convinced Paramount to re-release the movie for its 20th anniversary. So put it back in theaters. I love they it. remastered the soundtrack, put that back out. And what what's really fascinating and totally bizarre about this is uh, George Lucas played a role in this. Oh. So Kleiser and George Lucas had been roommates way back in their USC days. Wow. Um, and it turns out that Kleiser calls up the, the head of Paramount and you know, proposes the the re-release. And Sherry Lansing, who was the studio head at the time, responded that she had just been talking to George Lucas, uh, who had said that ev- of everything in Paramount's vast vaults, she should bring back Greece because yes. he had young kids at the time. And he said that every nine-year-old he knew was yep. watching it every single day. <laughs> so bizarrely, <laughs> George mean, Lucas yeah. had had. Yeah, absolutely. Me too, <laughs> though, perhaps after after George Lucas had worked his magic. But yeah, it was, uh, it was that like, is George so... Lucas had his hand at this. Wow. Oh,
2: thank you, George Lucas. <laughs> he he brought us uh Greece 20 years later and Jar Jar Banks. That's multitudes. <laughs> um I that is so that's so funny how all those things like kind of work out and it just like kind of the effect of everything, um, how it plays out like that. Because oh my god, it's just I just love that everyone was like, Yes, I was into Greece in the late uh-huh, 90s. Uh-huh.
1: And everybody has their story, right? Like it's one of those things where despite it, it having such mass appeal, it feels Uh really personal. Um,
2: Yes, totally. Definitely. And you can feel connected to like a a number of the characters, which, you know, I love. And I think, you know, each of them has their own substance. Um, And I, it's interesting too, to kind of trace the trajectories of everyone post Greece, you know? And, like, mm-hmm. obviously, John Travolta is a huge star. And Olivia Newton-John went on to make a lot more albums and, like, Platinum. Very successful there. Stalker Channing, who went on... I think she was on the West Wing. And she's she's always showing up. And then the late Jeff Conway. And the, I remember him. And he was on a lot of those VH1 shows, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, just the the way in which... You know, people can still have like a, you know, a modicum of fame just from being participating in that movie is kind of wild. Um, So, yeah. Okay. so also I think there is something to be said about the enduring legacy of like this is a freaking teen movie musical about young love. Like that is pretty (laughs) straightforward. You know, Shakespeare has been doing it or since the 1500s or whatever. But uh, and then, of course, like before him, too. But um, I it's fun to see kind of like the the teen musical and how it's like changed and stayed the same since Greece. like and I hate to bring up High School Musical yet again on this podcast. But, you know, you get a lot of similarities to high school musical and that was a huge phen- phenomenon too so it's like this is a formula that works
1: <laughs> yeah i mean you mentioned it before but i feel like grease grease is is to me like the definitive case of older actors playing Children, <laughs> yes. effectively. Like they, like they're all totally. in like their late 20s and early 30s. Um yeah. but it is still this wonderful kind of iconic story um about high school. And it feels the pervasive story when I was growing up and was obsessed with Greece, um, mm-hmm. was that the final carnival scene was filmed at our annual county fair. But that that was. What? Ours. <laughs> Yeah. I, I believed this. I I knew this in my bones. This was about my area. This was one of oh, oh. our local high schools, maybe my local high school. I Hell looked yeah. it up ahead of this. It absolutely was no. not. It was not filmed in Marin County at the Marin Damn. County Fair. It was filmed <laughs> in Los Angeles. But Aww. I think it speaks to this uh, this sense of like the like kind of emblematic High school yeah. um, that could be anywhere in America, anywhere. Um, anyone's you know, high with school. all the rough edges sanded off. Um, totally. So you know, I, I still, I still deep down believe that that it was at our local county fair. But I, you know, I believe that for you too
2: because <laughs> it, that's it's so true though. It's like because it's so relatable in so many ways, and you know, obviously this movie is over forty years old, and so you know, we've thankfully grown up more as a society and so a lot of you know, some of the more questionable politics um
1: are still in the film. but Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think uh, let's go ahead and accept that there are some questionable to bad sex and gender sure. politics throughout yes. Greece, Greece. But I, I think somehow even though you're dealing with things like teen pregnancy or slut shaming, yeah. um, the stakes feel so low somehow. Um, yes, d- totally. Like it's just some silly high school drama. And once they graduate, whatever, it'll all be fine. It'll all be over. And, you know, all these couples will definitely stay together forever. Right. And nobody will ever <laughs> have problems or have to, you know, face consequences for their actions.
2: Exactly. I know. Yeah. And it's just, I don't, you know, not that I approve, but it is done in such like an easy, breezy way. And they, you know, we've got them singing about it and it's just like, wow, you're doing a really good job of disguising it. But, um, but all in all, you know, Grease, it's for me, it's personally, it's the, well, it's the music. I love musicals, but, um, it's also the star power of the both of the leads, you know, once again. And I think I enjoy that. Like, and like you said, you know, the stakes are low and I enjoy that about it because it's like, I don't need to pay attention to Grease. You know, I've seen it so many times already that I know right. what Right, you know all the
1: words. You can, you know, all the words. <laughs> you can, you can pop the in and, and track. out. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah.
2: I like movies like that. Like, I don't have to pay attention that hard, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, I think it has so much to do with, the charisma of John Travolta and, and Olivia Newton-John, and and they're totally, totally together. And also, Great I mean, it really is Olivia Newton-John's singing that does so much to make that soundtrack as iconic as it is. And I don't think you get. Grease the movie being iconic without Grease the soundtrack being iconic. And I, I mean, I was looking yeah. back at you're the one that I want. And I'm going mm. to struggle to say these lyrics instead of doing my my best slash worst um, impression of her. <laughs> yes. But just her, her in the space of like 20 seconds purring to John Travolta uh, as she's bad Sandy now meditate in my direction, feel your way, which is very yeah, sultry sexy. for- That for was very sexy. Goody, goody, Sandy, Sandy. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, moving straight from that to belting, you better prove that my faith is justified. And she just, it's, I, again, I feel weird even saying those words in, uh-huh. like a, normal, in a normal cadence, but because she- No, she, um, she you belts know, it. She was so iconic in the way that she she performed. Totally.
2: Oh my God, yeah. I mean, you know, we say a lot about bad Sandy or whatever, but it's like- Her taking on all those songs and just like you don't think that someone that like delicate looking could have such a commanding voice, but she does. And it's incredible. And and I totally agree with you. I think that really is the staying power of Greece. is that the music is so good. She's so good at singing it and just, you know embodying the character when she sings it. It's just like, oh, it will live on forever. Thank God, because I love that
1: movie. (laughs) And she was doing it in stitched on leather pants in 100 degree heat, no less.
2: A true queen. A true queen. She did that for us. So um, once again, you know, our... Deepest condolences to Olivia Newton-John's family. For Claire McNear and myself, thank you all for listening. Thank you to our producer, Kaya, um, and to Jade Whaley for researching. We will uh, see you guys back here soon.